0: so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this week are very apocalyptic. They have to do with the end of time. They have to do with the second coming of the Lord Jesus, the consummation of all things. Again, this time of year, as the calendar year and liturgical year come to a close, so the Church asks us to reflect upon these dark, but finally very illuminating and wonderful matters. The second reading is from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, which is, I think I've told you before, the earliest Christian text we have. Written by Paul sometime probably in the early 50s of the first century, 20 years before The first of the Gospels is written, the earliest of Paul's letters. It gives us a wonderful snapshot of what life was like in these very, very primitive Christian communities. Paul writes to them about the event that changed his life. Paul saw the risen Jesus, and it turned everything upside down, inside out. It revolutionized him, his whole way of thinking, being, acting, everything changed. And now he's writing to these Thessalonians about the faith, about life, about Christian thought in light of the resurrection. Here's what he said. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God, through Jesus, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself, with a word of command, with the voice of an archangel, will come down from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. He's talking about what stands at the heart of the Christian faith. In Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, we hope to rise from the dead. In Jesus Christ, raised to a new pitch of existence, Jesus living now in the very realm of the Father, we who cling to him, we who have been baptized into him, hope for a similar consummation. In light of that, everything changes. The things of this world fall into relative insignificance. My whole life is rearranged, rethought, in light of this great claim that in Christ I will rise, in Christ you will rise. Paul uses lots of apocalyptic language to describe this consummation. He speaks of being caught up with the Lord in the air. Now, this very day, this very time, people are fascinated by this. They talk about the theology of the rapture. People being caught up literally into the air with the Lord. Well, friends, don't literalize the language here of Paul. Paul. It's, in some ways, standard apocalyptic language that he's borrowing from the tradition. You know, what's the, if we literalize that language, so we're going to meet Jesus at 35,000 feet, I mean, why would that be religiously important? The point is, it's the translation, the transformation of our lives into a higher pitch. That's what Paul's talking about. And that does remain, even today, at the center of the faith. Now, here's the thing. Paul was so overwhelmed by the experience of seeing Jesus alive again that he thought this consummation would happen right away. Paul was convinced that he was living in the end times, that very soon Jesus Christ would come back and take with him all those who were baptized into him. In some ways, it's witness to how powerfully objective and real the experience of the resurrection was for Paul this whole world was changed. And so he felt this world's coming to an end very soon. Well, of course it didn't. We're now 2,000 years after Paul. And we're still waiting. With this same hope, though, don't we say in the liturgy, we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're in the same position. Paul thought it was going to happen right away. Well, we, who knows? We don't know. A year from now, 10 years, 5,000 years, who knows? But the hope remains the same. Now, fast forward from this second letter, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, now to the Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew, written maybe 30 years later. The Christian communities, shaped by Paul and shaped by his faith, they've been waiting, watching, wondering, when will the Lord come back? In some ways, they're like us. Maybe a bit impatient. Living in these in-between times. Well, this community remembered a parable that Jesus told. At the very end of his life, just before the Passion. It's a parable of a bride, a bridegroom, and those who are waiting in attendance. Listen. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Well, now this image is borrowed from the practices and customs of Jesus' time. The focus of an Israelite wedding was not on the bride the way our focus is. The focus was on the bridegroom. Here was the custom. Night would fall, and the bridegroom, dressed to the nines, would leave his own home or leave his parents' home, He would cross the town, cross the village, and he'd come to the home of his betrothed. And then he would accompany her back across the town, across the village, to his place. And that's where the wedding and the celebration would take place. Now, in the meantime, the guests would gather, and they would accompany the bridegroom on this journey to and fro. And especially the attendants, the bridesmaids, we would say, the best man and his attendants and so on, they would wait And with lamps, they would accompany the bridegroom on this little journey. So that's the image now that Jesus plays with. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, ten bridesmaids, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, mind you, it's nighttime in an Israelite village, first century. It's very dark. We take for granted electrical lighting so that nighttime doesn't really pose that many problems for us. You know, headlights in the car, we got lights, whatever building we go into, roads are lit up. We can negotiate pretty easily at night. Not at this time. When night fell, it was dark. And so, if you were to be operating at night in any capacity, you better have your lamp lit. And you better have plenty of oil to keep it going. This is the setup now for the story. Now what do we hear? Well, five of the bridesmaids, five of the virgins, are wise. They got plenty of oil in their lamps. Other five are foolish. They're not well prepared. And so after a long wait, how come he was delayed, who knows? Who knows why the bridegroom was delayed? Who knows precisely why Jesus Christ is delayed? We don't know. But he is. He tarries in his coming. After a long wait, the bridesmaids fall asleep. And then suddenly the bridegroom is there. Suddenly he appears. And they've got to spring into action. They've got to be ready with their lamps. Those who have plenty of oil, they can light the lamp and off they go. But those who are not prepared have no oil, can't light the lamps, they're not ready. Who gets into the party? The wise ones, the ones who are ready. The ones who, through a long night of waiting, were nevertheless well-stocked and well-prepared. Who doesn't get in? The foolish ones, not well-prepared, not well-stocked. How do we read this? Well, like these bridesmaids, all of us Christians Wait. In the in-between time. We know the bridegroom is coming. Christ is the bridegroom, we the church of the bride. We know that he's come to consummate this relationship with us. But we're waiting in joyful hope. How do we wait? clear implication is some wisely and some foolishly. Some have their lamps stocked with oil. Others don't. What does the oil stand for? It stands for that divine life that was given to us in baptism and that we are meant to keep alive as we wait. More precisely, it stands for prayer, sacraments, study, the Eucharist, good works, a life of love, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. All those ways that the life of Jesus remains vibrant in us That's the well stocked lamp. Who are the wise waiters? Those who practice these things. Those who keep, as the rite of baptism has it, the light of faith burning brightly. Who are the foolish ones? Those of us who allow that life to ebb and to die. How often do you pray? Every day? How long? Morning? Evening? Noon? Are you a faithful attender of the liturgy? Pray. Pray every day. Pray in a focused way. Pray in a conscious way. That's one of the ways that we keep this oil stocked. How about the sacraments? Those listening to me now on the radio or through the computer, do you attend the sacraments regularly? Eucharist on a regular basis. Confession, reconciliation. I think one of the great sadnesses after the Vatican Council is that in some ways that sacrament has fallen into desuetude. Do you practice it? Prayer, sacraments. Study. Do you study your faith? Do you read seriously? Do you have a book of theology on your nightstand? How seriously do you take the faith? Seeking to understand it. That's a way to keep the lamp going. Good works, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, the life of love. Do you love every day? That is to say, in a very concrete way, do you will the good of the other and do something about it? I've told you before that Dorothy Day said, everything a baptized person does, should be directly or indirectly related to the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Do you do them? That's a way of keeping the oil well stocked in the lamp. Can the divine life go out? Yeah, it can. That's a dreadful truth, but, brothers and sisters, that's a truth. The divine life can go out in us if we don't attend to it. And will we be ready when the master comes, when the bridegroom comes? Just a last point. It's a hard truth of this parable, but when the bridegroom comes and the foolish virgins say to the wise ones, give us some of your oil, give us some that you have. They say, no, we can't. Is that an act of unkindness? Not really. Read at the symbolic level, it's just stating the facts. If you spent your entire life not cultivating these things. You can't reasonably expect someone at the last minute to give you the fruits of their cultivation. They just can't. We're waiting for the bridegroom. We're waiting for the master through a long night. How do we wait? Foolishly or wisely? That's the power and the point of this parable. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.